Your experience at Joy Church will be unlike any church service you have ever attended before. We are not about religion. We are about a relationship with God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. At Joy Church, you'll hear live and vibrant praise and worship music. You will be loved and encouraged. You will be confident that your children will learn about Jesus in a fun and safe environment. You'll be assured that your youth will be loved and accepted not only for who they are, but challenged to become who they were created to be. At Joy Church, God's Word is delivered through creative, humorous, and relative teaching that will help you apply the Bible to your life. There is a place here at Joy Church just for you, where you can begin to develop a vibrant and exciting relationship with Jesus Christ and discover your divine destiny. Get ready as Pastor Jim teaches in his series, The Power of Perspective. How you view things will determine how you do things. And if you're ever in the Nashville area, we would love for you to come and be our special guest. Just visit our website, joychurch.net, for service times and special events. We're going to give you a one-time session today, very excited about it, uh, before Easter. And we are entitling, and I love this, the power of perspective. How you view things will determine how you do things. Will you say that with me? How I view things will determine how I do things. There's such a power in perspective. I heard this story uh, not too long ago. Uh, a famous shoe company uh, had two very good salesmen uh, that they sent to a new territory. This is an island territory, a tropical island, and they sent two of their finest. Uh, they both got over there at the same time. The first one called back to the office and, and the corporate headquarters and said, man, don't even, don't even bother sending shoes here. I see that everybody on the island, nobody wears shoes. Don't, don't, even, don't, even, don't even think about it. Second salesman called shortly after and said, man, to corporate office, send all the shoes you got. Because I see here on the island, nobody wears shoes. <laughs> How many know there is a power in perspective? And I see it over and over and over again. You ever, you, anybody in the house uh, ever ask for directions? Uh, 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 how many men you won't ask for directions? That, that's me. I, I, I just think, I think if Christopher Columbus could find America, then, you know, I can find my way somewhere. I mean, come on. And occasionally when I do ask for directions, I don't really pay attention. Any men like that? I'm not even joking. I wish I was joking. People will say, okay, go high, turn left, blah, blah, blah. and then after they're finished doing all that, I'll turn to my wife and say, I didn't pay. What did he say? I didn't pay. <laughs> I wasn't paying attention. I hope you were paying attention because I was not paying attention. So, you know, when you ask for directions, people invariably say, okay, you go down here, and you come to the third red light, and there you take a left. My question has always been, why is it a red light? Why is it not a green light? Because it's green just as much as it is red. But I think we have a perspective in life. My Savior's last words were, go ye, not stop ye. Therefore, I blow through all traffic lights. And I, I do it in the name of the Lord. When I get pulled over, I just say, hey, my Savior told me to go. But I really do call them green lights. I don't call them red lights because I've chosen a perspective, a positive perspective of life, and not mental mumbo-jumbo, not new age nonsense where I'm just, you know, having these mental gymnastics where I'm positive. I don't mean that, but I believe that God is a positive God. And I believe that he likes his eggs sunny side up. Yes. 
And so I've chosen in life to live and to look for the good news. Uh, you know, I mean, I, all the time, my staff knows one of my favorite phrases in my life is, but the good news is, but the good news is, and how many know that's the meaning of the gospel? Gospel means good news. And so I am a, if you, if you came here for bad news, you came to the wrong church. This is not Depression Church International. This is Joy Church International. And so I want you to know we believe in the power of perspective. Uh, anybody in the house you're married? Anybody in the house you're married but you're kind of ashamed? You don't want to, uh, <laughs> things aren't going well and you don't want to admit it. If you're married, you have one perspective about marriage, but I promise you, your kids have another. Check it out. Marriage is what brings us together today. Marriage, that blessed arrangement, that dream within a dream. How do you decide who to marry? Well, they gotta like the same stuff you do. If, like, if you like sports, She's got to like sports, too. And she's got to keep the chips and dip coming. No one really decides who they're going to marry when they grow up. God decides way before them. Then you get to find out who you're stuck with. What is the right age to get married? No age is good to be married at. you got to be a fool to get married. 23 is the best age to get married because you know everything by then. How can a stranger tell if two people are married? Married people usually look happy to talk to other people. You might have to guess based on if they're yelling at the same kids. When is it okay to kiss someone? If she's pretty. The law says you have to be 18. I won't mess with that. The rule goes like this. If you kiss someone, you should marry them. Well, if you marry someone, you should have kids with them. It's the right thing to do. Win the rich. How would you make a marriage work? Tell you why she's pretty, even though she looks like a truck. Oh, come on. That's, that's good stuff. That is good stuff, even though she looks like a truck. Well, you've heard the worship song, haven't you, Ford? I lift your name on high. <laughs> Difference in perspective. There is power in perspective. Let's take a look at five pertinent principles on perspective. It's going to show you how important that they are. Number one, check it out. How you view things, that's the subtitle of the message, will determine how you do things. That is true in all of life. Number two, check it out. What you continually see, you will eventually be. That's why it's so important what you gaze at. Never gaze at what you don't want in your future. Third thing that you need to understand, and this is huge, when we change the way we look at things, the things we look at change. Now, that's worth coming for right there. Now, as I mentioned, I took my wife on a little birthday getaway, and, and, and I just, I, I got to tell you, we're going on 29 years of marriage. 
but I fall in love with my wife over and over and over again. I was watching my wife on the beach and my son was there. I just think she's the best mom. And I was telling my son that. I said, son, you really need to appreciate her because she just has the best nature. When she was little, they used to call her happy girl. And I got to tell you, nothing's changed. She is still happy girl. I watched, she, was, she was playing catch football with my son, throwing the football back and forth, you know. And, and I was watching her. She was catching it. And, and every time she would catch it, she would do like a touchdown dance. She'd go like that every time she, every time she go. I mean, it's like, it's like she, you know, and then she'd do that, you know, like that. I just thought she was so cute. I mean, and I do want you to know, she, that was her happy dance. She's a happy, happy girl, and I, and I want you to understand, I have fallen in love with her over and over again. How I looked at her changed, and it changes how I look at her. And I encourage everybody in the house, that's so true. Your perspective, my perspective is so important, and it's so powerful. Fourth thing that you need to understand is what I believe about life determines what I perceive about life. What I perceive about life determines what I receive in my life. That's so important. Listen to me very closely. What you believe about life determines what you perceive, and what you perceive then determines what you receive in your life. That's why, listen to me, where you go to church is important. Because if you go somewhere where they teach God's going to get you, then I'm going to tell you your perspective in life will be outstandingly bad. How many understand that your God is not a car-wrecking, cancer-causing creator, but he is a loving, life-giving Lord? That's what we are committed to teaching here at this church. We are not reinventing God in our own image. We are simply looking at it from the Bible, from the word of the living God, instead of tradition. And I'm determined to help you understand Hebrews 11:6 that God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek. He is not a taker. He is a giver. He's a good God. John 10, 10, the thief, the devil comes to steal and to kill and destroy. But Jesus came that you would have life and it more abundantly. Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. The devil is the oppressor. God is the blesser. And he's a good God. And I'm going to take it one step further. He is not mad at you. And this church is committed to that. If you go to a church where you think God's going to get you, listen to me, if God's going to get you, you'd already been done God. He's a good God. And it'll change how you view God will absolutely determine how you view life. That's one of the reasons I'm so positive, because I look at the back of the book, I look at the back of the Bible, and I discover that we win. No matter how bad it's going to get out there in the world, it's going to get brighter and brighter in the church, and I do want you to eventually know that God will wrap this thing up how he wants to, and we win. Therefore, I always have a positive vantage point, how I view things and determines how I do things. That's why I'm in such a good mood all the time because I looked at the back of the book and you win. Heaven is not full of undercomers. Heaven is full of overcomers. 
It's not that we don't have challenges. We do. But Romans 8.37 and all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Well, the chapter in my life right now is really awful. Well, I get it, but the book's not over. It's not done yet. How you believe determines how you perceive, and how you perceive will then determine what you receive in your life. It's important to know that God's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. Next thing that you need to understand about perspective, and it's so true when you see yourself in Christ, you will live your life based on your position, not on your condition. That's so huge. Everybody say, in Christ. So many people don't understand what that means when I say you got to look at yourself in Christ. That means how God sees you because of what Jesus has done for you. It's imperative that you don't see your life through the eyes of the condition that you're walking through, but that you see your life from your position, who you are in Christ. And God, when he looks at you, he sees you. 2 Corinthians 5.21, as righteous. He sees you, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 6, as accepted in the beloved. He sees you, 2 Corinthians 5.17, as a new creation in Christ Jesus. He sees you, 3 John 2, as his beloved. He sees you, Ephesians 1.4, as his son or daughter in the Lord. That's how he sees you. And it's imperative that we begin to live our life not through our condition, but through our position in Christ. How you view things will determine how you do things. Now let's take a look at Luke chapter 10, our key verses in this particular series, in verses 30 through 35. This is going to be a familiar parable to you. This is going to help you a lot. And I'm going to have you take a little bit of a step back because there's so much revelation in this parable. Most of you know it. But it has an overarching biblical theme that is really powerful. And I'm going to help you then through this parable see the power of different people's perspectives. So let's talk about it. Luke chapter 10, verse 30, Jesus talking. Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves and stripped him, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him. Now listen to me closely. This is a type and a shadow of Adam. Adam in the garden when he sinned, when he bowed his knee to the devil, that's the thief. He is the thief. He comes to steal, kill, destroy. And notice what happened. He was stripped of his raiment. As a result of Adam's sin, this is when poverty entered in. And then notice what happened and wounded him. This is sickness. This is another foul offspring of sin. This is so much of the reason why this world is in chaos. Because of Adam's sin, we were separated from God. And then all of these different things begin to enter into the world and into our lives. And notice, and departed, leaving him half dead. Everybody say half dead. You remember in the word in the garden, he said, if you eat of this tree, Genesis 2.17, the Bible tells us very, very clearly, and and I love this, he says, if you eat of this tree, you will surely die. Now, when he did, did Adam physically die? No, he did not. But spiritual death came into his spirit, and that's what the Bible means when it says they were left half dead. 
Watch this now. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Everybody say a priest. Priest represents the law. And how many understand that while God instituted the law, the law could not save anybody. Romans chapter 3 and verse 20 and Romans chapter 5 and verse 20 tell us very, very clearly that the law shows us one thing and one thing alone, that we're sinners and we can't do it. Now, I thank God for the Ten Commandments. They're wonderful and they're tremendous and they're inspired by God, but they don't save anybody. They simply remind us that we can't do it and we need a Savior. His name is Jesus Christ. And the law, the priest passed by on the other side. Didn't help us at all. Watch this now. And likewise, a Levite, the Levite represents animal sacrifices. Now, thank God for animal sacrifices in the Old Covenant. Uh, when someone sinned, they would sacrifice an animal but it would temporarily cover sin. But the Bible tells you and I in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 4 that the blood of goats and the blood of bulls cannot wipe out sin permanently. There was only one sacrifice, the Lamb of God, his name was Jesus Christ, his blood and his blood alone wipes out sin forever. Can we give God... A big thanks. And he was at the place and came and looked on him and passed on the other side. Next verses. But a certain Samaritan, this represents Jesus, as he journeyed, came where he was. Ever say, came where he was. How many know, ladies and gentlemen, that love goes first? Right where we're hurting, Jesus came where we were. He came from heaven to earth. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 19, God loved us. He loved us first. And I want you to see, notice he came where he was, and he had compassion on him, and he went to him and bound up his wounds. That's healing. 1 Peter 2, 24, the Bible tells you and I, by his stripes we were healed. Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5, tells you and I that we are healed by the stripes of Jesus Christ. He bound up his wounds, and notice here, pouring in oil and wine. This is the new birth. This is we were born again by the Spirit of God, and set him on his own beast and brought him to the inn. The inn is the local church. Now that they're born again, now we're going to bring the person to the local church where they can be discipled and grow in the things of God. And he took care of them. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence. Everybody say two pence. And watch this now. And gave them to the host and said unto him, take care of him. And whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay. In other words, whatever this guy spends, put it on my tab. And I love this. He gave two pence. Now, that has a meaning biblically. In Matthew chapter 20 and verse 10, the Bible tells you and I that one pence is one day's wage. And the Bible also tells us in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8 that one day is like a thousand years to the Lord. This has a representation that represents approximately 2,000 years. And Jesus is telling you and I in approximately 2,000 years, he will come back for his church. It's called the rapture. And in the meantime, he paid the bill. 
Galatians chapter 3, 13 and 14, the Bible says that Jesus Christ became the curse for you and I so that we could be redeemed from it. So I want you to know that this small little parable has a tremendously large biblical meaning, but it also shows three different perspectives that are very, very different. And how many know there is a power in perspective? Because how I view things will determine how I do things. I'm going to give you four different people. Three of them are found in this parable. The fourth one is really going to stretch us. It's really an overarching principle in the Bible. But I'm going to give you three different folks here from this parable because three of them had very different perspectives and therefore it determined how they did things and they did things in a very different way. The first perspective, check it out. What's yours is mine and I'm going to take it. This is the robber in the parable. The robbers literally did that to that person. They left him stripped and wounded and half dead. What's yours is mine and I'm going to take it. That was a perspective that they had and therefore determined what they did. And I want you to know there are a whole bunch of people in life that are takers. Their view in life is self-centered, and so they very much are takers. If you don't believe that, you ever see a toddler? <laughs> you, 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 may, you may have come across this. I love the toddler's creed. Check it out. This is great. Number one, if I like it, it's mine. Number two, if I take it from you, it's mine. If I had it a while ago, it's mine. If I say it's mine, you know it's mine. If it looks like it's mine, it's mine. If you're having fun with it, oh, yeah, it's mine. If you lay it down, it's mine. And if it's broken, of course, it's yours. <laughs> that is the toddler's creed. Thank you for that golf clap. I can tell it's the master's week here once again. Listen to me very closely. Man, I know that's toddlers, but I know a whole bunch of people and a whole bunch of believers that are very much like that. Man, if it's mine, it's mine and I'm gonna take it from you. We have that robber's mentality, that robber's perspective and therefore how I view things determines how I do things. The second perspective that you can find, you can find them in the, with the Levite and the priest. Check it out, number two, what's mine is mine and I'm gonna keep it. That was exactly the perspective of the priest, that was exactly the perspective of the Levite as both of them walked on the other side of the man that was hurting in the middle of the road. And that's exactly what religious people, so many religious people do. They see all of these people that are hurting and they walk on the other side. It's a very, very selfish perspective in life and therefore it determines what they do. Let me talk to you about selfishness. It's something that all of us have to overcome. Let me give you four thoughts. Thought number one, you can't be a selfish person and live a significant life. It's, it's impossible. I cannot. You cannot. At some point in my life, I've got to decide, you know, I'm just not going to live a selfish life. You can't be selfish and significant at the same time. Second thing that you need to know, the problem in this culture is not the haves and the have-nots. It's the give-nots. I watch there's a lot of class warfare in this, in, this, in this society, in this culture. So much of it has to do with politics. 
And people are all about the haves or the have-nots. No, 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 no. According to God's word, it's not about the haves or the have-nots. It's about the give-nots. People that are self-centered. How many want to be a giver and not a taker? Third thing you need to know, check it out. Selfish people never want to be inconvenienced. They never want to be inconvenienced. That's exactly what the perspective of the Levite and the priest was. I don't want to be inconvenienced. I have an agenda. I've got to get there. And listen, I'm not for allowing other people to determine your schedule. I understand that. But every once in a while, when you're on the way to J. Iris's house, stop for a little woman with an issue of blood. Every once in a while, we must allow ourselves to be inconvenienced in the name of the Lord. I got to tell you, I, I, I've gone through that many, many times. This is something that God works on all of our hearts with. I, I remember uh, my wife and I on my day off, we were at a, a park uh, just having a good time and enjoying one another. And, and we had a couple places that we needed to get to. And if I can be very, very honest and transparent with you, and, uh, and, and, and I'm trying to be that way with the church, I really had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and God began to put on my heart to go and minister to two young teenagers that were there at the park. And this was a school day when they probably should have been in school. And, and God really put that on my heart. And I, I just began to talk with God on the inside. Well, yeah, but God, me and Ann, we've got to get to a certain place. And, and you, I've got to really go to the bathroom. As, as if God didn't know any of those things. I created your kidney, son. You can, you can handle this. And I couldn't get away from it. God really put this on my heart. I had to go talk to the teenagers. And so as I went over to them, you know, you know your pastor, I have issues. I went over to them and I, and I, and I just said, hey, guys, how come you're not in school today? And they kind of had that look about them that was there a little bit frightened. I said, I just want you to know I'm a truant officer. <laughs> and they really looked like they lost all of their blood. And then I, I had to say, I said, I said, I'm just kidding. And after I said that, they were so relieved that I was not a truant officer, they were ready to receive anything that I wanted to talk about. <laughs> True story. And I, God gave me wisdom, and I wasn't deceiving them. I told them I was kidding. I said, I'm just kidding. And then I'd begin to talk to them, and I'd begin to share the Lord and, and share my heart with them. And I'd probably talk to them for 20, 25 minutes. And doggone it, right there in the park, if they didn't both give their life to Jesus Christ... <laughs> And it's all because I was willing to be a little bit inconvenienced. Even though I had places to go and even though I had to go. How many know if you don't obey God, you're in trouble? Well, come on, that was cute and clever and you know it. Fourth thing that we need to understand about being selfish, check it out. When you don't stop, you become callous. When we see the hurting person on the side of the road and we don't stop, eventually our heart becomes callous. Now, please don't mistake me. You know this church, we're very balanced here. I am not telling you in any way, shape, or form that you should do something unwise or that you should get involved in everybody's situation. I don't mean that. Please, the Bible tells us very clearly in Proverbs 26, 17 through 19, we're not to pick up dogs by the ears because when you do, you get bit. You're not to take up every Facebook battle. When you pick up a, a battle you're not anointed to fight, then you pick up a burden you're not anointed to bear. So I'm not telling you to get involved in everybody's business. That's not what I'm saying. But there's got to be a point in our life where we stop 
and help somebody that needs help. I have one person that believes that. (laughs) It was Christmas Day this last Christmas, and we just come back from my brother's and sister's house, and they were kind enough to prepare for us a beautiful meal. It was really wonderful. It was getting late. It was 8, 9 o'clock, whatever. It's Christmas Day. And we're driving home from their house, and all of a sudden we saw a van uh, broken down on the side of the road. And we saw there was a woman, and there were kids in the car. And, and you know, I'm not asking you to do that. You've got to be wise. Sometimes there are scams, and people try to do things. I get all of that. But I wasn't concerned about it because if there, if there was a, you know, if it was a setup uh, for someone to try to hurt us, Anne was there to protect me. <laughs> And, and, and so I, I went up to the car, and it was a lady. She had kids in the car, and her, she'd run out of gas on Christmas Day. And so I said, well, ma'am, we're, we're here to help. We're, we'll go get you some gas, and, 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 and on and on and on. And it was so cute because she, she, she had just prayed, Father, please send someone to help us. And she just prayed in front of all of her children. And then so she was able to look back. She said, kids, God answered our prayer. And I told her, I said, and I want you to know, man, so she wasn't afraid. I said, I'm a pastor. Kids, God sent a pastor. (laughs) True, that's true story. She was so excited that God sent her a pastor. And then I began as we we got her gas and filled up her tank and and on and on and on and and able to bless her. And and I began to share then, because we loved on her, I began to share my testimony. Sir, why are you doing this? Well, I can tell you why. Because 37 years ago, I was an alcoholic checking IDs at a bar. And Jesus came into my life, and he radically saved me. And now all of a sudden, she could really relate. She said, oh, my goodness, I've been an alcoholic for years, and I've been now sober for about five months. And now, kids, God sent me someone that I can relate to. It was a God connection. And we were right there, my wife, myself, we were able to pray with her and just love on her. We got her address. We sent her all of our books in the mail just to bless her just to encourage her. If we don't stop somewhere, we begin to get callous. And then we just walk by everybody. I'm a big workout guy. Uh, I do tons and tons of pull-ups, and I have a gym at home. It's Jim's gym. (laughs) And I've got a pull-up bar that's bolted into the wall and drilled into the wall, and so it's really sturdy, and I just, so much of my, I do so many calisthenics, and so much of my exercise routine has to do with pull-ups. I literally do, in a week, hundreds and hundreds of pull-ups. If you came to me, you could see I've got tremendous calluses right underneath all of my, where I I hold, where I grip the pull-up bars, from all the pull-ups, and I don't use gloves. Gloves are for sissies. If you use gloves, you probably go to a gym where there's a chandelier. Get a smoothie by the chandelier. Just just kidding, just having fun. So I've got real thick calluses underneath both of my hands. If you, you could take a pin, you could take a knife, and you could jam it into those calluses, I won't feel a thing. Nothing. And if we keep walking by everybody, eventually, we won't feel a thing. It'll just be part of our life. So let's change our perspective. Because how I view things will determine how I do things. 
And that brings me to my third perspective. And this was Jesus, our example. Number three, what's mine is yours, and I'm going to give it. That was the Good Samaritan who came. That represented the Lord. What's mine is yours, and I am going to give it. The Bible says, Proverbs 22 and verse 9, he that has a generous eye is blessed. Proverbs 11 and verse 25, the Bible says, he that has a generous soul is blessed. Can I tell you something? What's a generous eye and a soul? Someone who is looking for ways to bless other people. It then changes your perspective. How you view things will change how you do things. You don't come just to church to just take. You, you, you receive the word. I want you to come and receive the word. But you're not only here to receive the word, but you're here to give love, to give encouragement, to give smiles. I told Miss Anne a, a moment ago, I said, honey, please write down for me after I finish preaching. I want to write Matt Damon a note because I thought that was the best he's ever ministered a song. And I don't want to just think it. I want him to have a tangible note in his hands from Pastor Jim to encourage him because he's got a beautiful gift that he's given to God and he used it to minister to you. That's why I'm so big. And I know some, so many of you are here, you're kicking the tires, checking out the church. I get that. It's a process. I know that. But goodness, if you've been here for a while, don't just be a spectator. That's just someone who's here to receive. No, no, no. You got to be here. Be a participator. Help, in the, help with the kids. Be an usher. Uh, work, work with the praise team. Help with our mobile kitchen where we've had over 37,000 free meals. Don't just come and hear the word coming. Hear the word, receive it, and give something away. We're blessed to be a blessing. So it's so important to have that perspective because how I view things will determine how I do things. May I challenge everybody? Quit walking by your neighbor. Invite him to church next weekend. Quit walking by your coworker that you know God is putting on your heart and invite him to come here next weekend. Man, don't, don't, well, yeah, but what are they going to think? They already think you're a weirdo. Just go ahead and confirm it. Man, quit, quit walking by them. You know God is putting someone on your heart. If you'll talk to them, if you'll talk to God just like that video, you know God will put on your heart. I want you to invite him. I want you to invite her. Quit walking by, everybody. That's, my heart burns to touch this community in a significant way. By the way, our new community outreach pastor is moving tomorrow. His first day will be May 1st. Please make their family feel welcome. They're, they're moving their whole family from Knoxville. They've never been out of the Knoxville area. They're moving their whole family here for you to make a difference with you. Make them feel loved. Make them feel special. Make them feel welcome. And I want you to know my heart burns to touch this community. My heart burns to reach our first responders. My heart burns to reach the people that don't have food. My heart burns to reach children that don't have coats. My heart burns to give these people Jesus. And I'm trying to infuse that heart in you. Because I can tell you this, how you view something will determine how you do something. And then our last perspective is really not from this particular parable, but it's an overarching principle in the Bible. And I'm going to tell you right now, this last perspective will stretch you because it does me. 
When I wrote this down, I was like, oh, man, that, you, it gets me. But how many know that's kind of a deal we got? God gets me, and then I get you. <laughs> he starts with me, and then this is going to stretch all of us. Because our fourth perspective, and here it goes, check it out. What's mine is not mine, and I'm going to manage it. Well, Pastor, what do you mean by that? The Bible calls you and I something very important. We are, listen to me, please, stewards. Ever say steward. Listen, listen to this now. Everyone in the house, biblically, God looks at us not as owners, but as stewards. The Bible tells you and I, Psalms 24 and verse 1, the Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and all the fullness thereof. In other words, God owns everything. Uh, the Bible tells us in James chapter 1 and verse 17 that all good gifts come from above, from the Father of lights, whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. In other words, everything good, our time, our talent, our treasure, everything good has come from God. We don't own it. We're stewards. We simply manage it. How many got kids? Listen to me. You don't own your children. You're a steward of them. I'm a steward of my kid. 16 years old, I'm, I'm a steward of him. You, 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 I don't care what it is. Sometimes we think, well, okay, if I tithe, you know, then the rest is mine. We're stewards of everything. God owns everything. And when I understand that, that what I have is not mine, I just manage it, then I have to allow him to access what he wants because I don't own it. And neither do you. See, I told you this would stretch us. But I watch a lot of people. We're very selfish with our time and our talent and our treasure. And it's because we don't have that perspective. We don't do anything because we don't view ourselves as stewards. But we are stewards of the Lord. Ever say it with me and say, I'm a steward. Now, let, let, me, let me show you what I mean. Today, after, after church, I'm going to take a number of people out to lunch. And so I'm going to need some cash to be able to do that. You, you got, thanks. Okay. Thank, thanks, Chad. That's, that was really quick. Thanks, buddy. That's 100 bucks, man. I was just going to take them to Jason's Deli, but all right, we'll, we'll move up. Now, for those of you that are here for the very first time, you're thinking, what the heck is going on? This is, I love this church. It's like, man, the people just give the pastor a hundred bucks. Listen to me. Did you see how easily Chad got up and how ready he was to come and give that to me? Yeah. And I, all I had to say, I'm just going out to eat and I'm gonna, I need some money to take some people out to eat afterwards. The reason he was so ready to do that is because this is mine. <laughs> I gave that to him back in my office so that we could do this skit and I could make a point. All the guests are going, okay, I feel better now. People aren't just running up and giving the pastor 100 bucks. I'm trying to make a point. Listen to me. Chad was simply a steward of what I owned. And therefore, when I needed something, he was very, very ready to come and give it to me because it's not his. He managed it for me. Which I'm going to put it right here. Way deep down where he can never see that again. How many understand that? Guys, we do it all the time with God. 
It's God's $100 bill. It's, it's God's time. It's God's talent. It's God's treasure. He gave them to us. And therefore, we don't have a right just to use them for us. God gave them to us so that we could be stewards of them and bless other people. Let me explain. Let me give you a life point that will help you. Check it out. There's a reason things are called gifts. You're not supposed to keep gifts. You're supposed to give them away. I watch so many people, you'll get this, you'll get this, you'll get this principle. Let's say you had a friend in Florida, and let's say you wanted to really bless that friend. And so you, you, you got a real nice gift, and you're going to send it to them for their birthday, and it was pretty expensive. And so you took your gift to UPS. And, and you, okay, and you said, all right, I want to send this to my friend. Here's the address. You know, what, what, whatever it's going to cost, I, I got it covered. It, it, it's beautiful. Please take good care of it. Two weeks later, you hadn't heard from your friend, and you weren't doing it for a thank you. You just, you know, you wanted to bless your friend, but still you wanted to make sure that that gift got to him, got to him on time. And so you say, you call down your friend in Florida and say, hey, did you ever get that gift I, I sent you? And he or she says, no, I, I never got it. What are, you, what are you talking about? Well, what's the first thing you do? Man, you run over to the UPS store and you talk to the guy and say, hey, dude, you remember me? I was here two weeks ago. I brought that beautiful gift. Remember, I was going to send it down to Florida. What happened with that? Oh, yeah. Thanks, buddy. That was the nicest thing anybody ever brought here to UPS. I loved it. I took it home with me. I unwrapped it. It's really been a blessing. Thanks so much. How many of you would have a little bit of a fit at the UPS? Because, listen to me, that's exactly what we do with God. God gives us these beautiful gifts. They're not for us to simply use for our own pleasure. They are for us to give away to other people. We're not to take them home and just enjoy them for ourselves. Right now, God has given me a gift. I have the ability to communicate. And to be honest with you, I'm very funny. Let me, let me say it differently. My paid staff thinks I'm very funny. <laughs> and that's all. I have a gift. I have a gift from God. I can't just go down and use this at the comedy club for myself. I have to give this away on Sunday and Saturday and Wednesday. I've got to give it away. You, Matt Dame has a gift. The, the, the Emily and Aaron, they're on the praise team. They have gifts. I'm so proud of them because they come Saturday and Sunday and Wednesday and they give it away to you. They don't just sing in their car, in their shower. Our ushers have gifts. They have gifts to serve and they're here making a difference. I can tell you it's a beautiful day today, but many times I've seen them out in the rain giving their gift away to you. Many of you have gifts to work with children or to work with teenagers or to feed the poor. You've got gifts. We've got to stop taking them home and just playing with them ourselves. God gave them to you and I so we could give them away. Listen to me closely. This last life point will explain what I'm trying to say. God gives to you what he wants to flow through you. I can tell you this. If you'll give away what he gives to you, there's no limit to what he will flow through you. 
That's one of the reasons God continues to bless this church because we touch this community like no other. We literally spend hundreds of thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars every year feeding the poor and touching the hurting and feeding and loving and helping people that can't help themselves. And we're just getting started. My goal as a pastor is in one year to give a million dollars plus away. Not for me, a million dollars plus away. And you ought to be clapping right there because it's coming through your hands first to give it away, to touch the hurting. And I know that there's been abuse on television and all that nonsense. I get all of that. We're not that. We're not put a nickel into God, GD, and pull down his slot, and he spits out $100 bills. Chad spits out $100 bills. <laughs> we're about giving it away, yes. and we're just getting started touching the hurting. So what perspective do you have? It's almost Easter. What perspective do you have this week? Come on, Jesus Christ had the most beautiful perspective. He came. He gave everything away to you. And now, what do you say we give him away? We've got him in our hearts. Let's not just sit in our pews and sit in our church and tell everybody how bad they are out in the community. Let's get out there and touch a hurting humanity that needs you. Because I can tell you this, how you view things will determine how you do things.